Hello, friends. Today's sponsor is Leanne Bowen Fine Art. Leanne is a Catholic artist and a stay-at-home mom, and she just released a beautiful collection of fall and Christmas candle tins that are the perfect size for stockings and hostess gifts. Her cypress and bayberry candle is indescribable. It smells exactly like a Christmas tree. So if you have a fake tree in your home, your guests will not believe you. She also has a wassail candle designed off the traditional Christmas cocktail served while caroling. It's a delicious spiced cider, orange, cranberry, and currant. Her candle scents are unique, and the artwork featured on the label makes them incredibly intentional gifts. Her most popular candle in November is the Cranberry Orange Spice with a Holy Family drawing on the label. You'll want one in every room. Her most popular candle is a Chrism Sacred Heart candle, and it smells just like Chrism. I have one of them in my prayer room, and I absolutely love it. You can bundle a variety of the tins together and choose from three, six, or 12 candle tins for gifts for your entire crew. She also does incredible bulk deals on the tins for confirmation classes, retreats, and small groups. We ordered some for our men's retreat this year, and the guys love them. She has candles, cards, and prints that are the perfect gifts for priests, Eucharistic gatherings, baptisms, confirmations, and special occasions. Leanne also has beautiful Christmas cards and sacred and immaculate heart ornaments that are absolutely stunning. She is offering 15% off to all our listeners with the code ABIDE15 at leannemowen.com. That's www.leannebowen.com. We hope you enjoy this episode. Hi, friends. Welcome to the Abiding Together podcast, season 13. And we are delighted to be with you on this adventure. And I know that the Lord is going to do wonderful things in all of our hearts. The Abiding Together podcast is a place where you can find connection, rest, and encouragement on your journey with Jesus Christ. And wherever you find yourself in the world, Wherever you find yourself in your life, you are most welcome here, and we know that the Lord will speak to you. My name is Sister Miriam James Heidland, and every week I am joined by two of my very dearest friends, Heather Kim and Michelle Benzinger, and we speak about what the Lord is doing in our life, we speak about our sorrowful mysteries, our joyful mysteries, and how the Lord is leading us in it all, and you are most welcome right here, right here. So please grab a cup of coffee, settle in, and welcome home. Hey everybody, it's Heather. I have some exciting news. For the first time in 13 seasons, we are going to have a Q&A episode where you, our listeners, can ask us anything. We'll try to answer as many questions as we can during this special episode. So if you want to ask us a question, there's several ways that you can reach out. First, visit us on Instagram or Facebook and you'll see a post where you can comment or add your question. Second, you can visit our website, abidingtogetherpodcast.com and submit a question through our contact form. Lastly, you can send us an email directly at abidingtogetherpodcast at gmail.com. Be sure to let us know if we can use your name or feel free to submit an alias if you would rather us read that on the podcast. This episode is going to air on November 27th, so be sure to submit your questions by Tuesday, November 14th in the evening so that we have a chance to see them before we record. God bless, guys. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of the Biting Together podcast. And we are going to do a little two-part series on a beautiful letter written by Mother Teresa, and we'll send you the link to that so you can find that online. But we think you probably heard of excerpts of it. It's a very famous letter. It's the Varanasi letter, and she just has so many beautiful things to share with us. So we thought we would invite all of you on that journey with us for the next two episodes. But before we begin, as usual, Heather, Michelle, Heather, you have an exciting adventure happening in your life right now. Do you want I to do. share it? Do you I want do. to share as much as you want, as whatever feels safe. Following the Lord is really fun, I must say, and surprising because mm -hmm. whoever would have thought that I just bought a little tiny house in Steubenville. I'm not moving here. Nobody freak out. Okay, I'm not moving here. 
um, just all my kids will be here next year and mm-hmm. for the next foreseeable future for many years, somebody is going to be here. And so, yeah, so we bought this little tiny place where we're going to come and do some fun things here mm-hmm. with this community. And it's just crazy because we went to school here 20 something years ago, Michelle. Long, now, is long it? Time and ago. Um, Jake and I lived in that neighborhood <laughs> at our first year of marriage. And there we are back in Steubenville, Ohio. Who only got only God. Only, the Lord. <laughs> <laughs> Only following the Lord. But no, this community is just so sweet. I'm really, really happy to be here right now. So yeah, so I'm here setting up this little house with my daughter and it's very exciting. Yeah. That is exciting. Michelle, 50% of your kids are at Steubenville right yeah, now. Yeah, I have two boys there and then a third is a senior this year and mm-hmm. Lord only knows where he's going to go. Yeah, we'll Thinking see. About it. You know, he's a big Notre Dame mm-hmm. person too, so we shall see. Yeah, wherever the Lord wants them. But it's hard. They all leave. So. <laughs> <laughs> I, know. I know. Well, we're about yeah. to be empty nesters next year. So we are on the I can't brink even of a wrap my mind phase. around that, Heather. No, I feel way too young for that. This is not supposed to be happening right now. But no. it is. Here we find ourselves. Oh my goodness. That's crazy. Oh, yeah. So exciting yeah. though. How are you, sister? Doing well. Michelle got to come over and we had like a sleepover at our place Dang, where we are. So it was very fun to have her. She got to see where I live I and I that. took her to an event and it was, yeah, it was really beautiful. So we had a great little adventure fall in the oh Midwest. It's very lovely. So. It was so beautiful. Mm-hmm. And you know, our leaves do not change here. It is still very green in Florida. So I'm like, oh my gosh, look at this color. Oh my gosh. My husband's like, stop sending me <laughs> pictures of the leaves. <laughs> so. Oh, but I was like, it's amazing. <laughs> that never crossed my mind that you don't have leaves no. that change color. Isn't that what? crazy, Heather? Mm-hmm. I mean, now that you say it, I'm like, okay, yeah, obviously. But wow. That, yeah. Wow. I'm, I'm sorry. Uh-huh. I'm always spring, <laughs> never winter. <laughs> we have maple trees mm-hmm. lining our driveway. Oh, maples and they're just so like pretty. bright yeah. red right now. Yeah. Which is so no. amazing. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm glad you got a taste of it. I did. That's it was great. awesome. Mm-hmm. It was great. And so in Wisconsin was lovely. A lot of fun. So, okay, friends. So shall we dive in? So we're going to, if you look at the link we we provide in the show notes, you can Google the Varanasi letter by Mother Teresa. There's a couple different versions of it. The longer version has a lot more details about the, the letters written to our community. So the longer version has details about like inviting priests to preach retreats and things like that. But we're going to take a summarized version that that we put in the show notes for you there. We're going to split the talk or the letter in half. And so just to give you kind of frame of reference, Mother Teresa is writing this to her community in 1993. And the reason why it's called a Varanasi letter, the Varanasi is a a city in India. So that's where she's giving the, the letter. And she's referring to You'll see in this excerpt, she's referring to a letter, a letter that John Paul II wrote around that time. And I did some research on that. And I believe the letter she's referring to is the letter for Lent of 1993 by John Paul II. So I was trying to, so if you see like her mention the Holy Father, that's what she's referring to is she was so moved. And that particular theme for Lent, he was encouraging people to take care of corporal needs of the poorest of the poor, which is right, you know, exactly what Mother Teresa does, you know, spiritual and corporal works of mercy. So just to kind of give you a frame of that. And so I think Michelle, you mentioned, like you had mentioned this, an excerpt of this letter Mm -hmm. a while ago, which made me think of it. And so the quote we're going to talk about this time is from the gospel of John, the scripture passage, which is the gospel of John chapter 19, verse 28, where Jesus on the cross says, after this, when Jesus knew all things were now finished, he said, in order to fulfill the scriptures, I am thirsty or I thirst. 
And that were those words I thirst on every uh, in every chapel in every MC convent across the world. And that's really the thirst of Jesus for the soul, the thirst of Jesus for each of our love, the thirst of Jesus for the poorest of the poor. And so when she's speaking about that, that's what she's kind of talking about. So. Michelle, you want to start us off kind of your own reflections as we kind of go to this first part of the letter? It was so interesting. Sister sent us this as a possible discussion topic for the podcast. And my son had just sent us a book about 40 days with Mother Teresa. And and the type the title of the book is called I Thirst. And I was thinking about it two days before, like she even sent us this, but I think Father Michael Gately has a book on it too. It's Consoling the Heart of Jesus. And I was thinking about like, oftentimes I think in my own personal life, I'm like, wow, I'm more concerned with Jesus's hand. Like, what is he going to give me? What is he going to provide for me? What is pain is he going to take away from me? How is he going to save me? Then his heart. How am I going to allow him to love me? How am I going to love him? And what stirs his heart? And the fact that he is thirsty for souls, but he's thirsty for us. It puts it in such a personal context, but that's the crux of the gospel. The gospel is for lovers and allowing ourselves to love and be loved, but really caring for the heart of Jesus. I often think the gospel isn't fancy. It's really simple, but it's so profound. And that is just allowing ourselves to be loved and loving Jesus back. Like how do we console his heart and how do we help Mm -hmm. quench his thirst? For our soul and other people's souls. So it was a really good heart check for me. Just this whole document, I think it's a perfect precursor to go into Advent for each of us. Yeah. So Heather, what about you? Yeah. I've, I've read this letter many times. It's only three pages. So if anybody's like, oh my gosh, another long thing, it's, it's three pages and it's simple, but very deep and profound. And I've been meditating on this for a long time because she says at the beginning, which is kind of shocking at first, she just says, I worry some of you still not have really met Jesus one-to-one, just you and Jesus alone. And she's speaking to religious Mm -hmm. sisters, you know, which everybody Mm -hmm. would assume, oh, we're past Mm -hmm. that, you know, like, and, Mm -hmm. and I think she's saying, well, one, you never get past that. But sometimes there's, I think many times there's substitutes that we can fall into for just like real deep, intimate relationship with Jesus. It can be, well, I'm, I'm taking my prayer time. I'm jumping through the hoops. I have my devotions. I have modified my behavior. I'm working on my sin issue. I'm what, and all of those things are really good, but does that actually equal intimate relationship with Jesus? Not always, Mm -hmm. you know, and that, and that was like such a, a beautiful invitation and conviction simultaneously for me to look in my own heart and say, do, do I really know Jesus one-to-one? Like, mm-hmm. have, I, have I really met him? And although I might say, well, of course I've met Jesus and I've met him here and here and here. Are there places in my heart that I still not have met Jesus? Oh, because sure. we've been talking a lot about that this season, that like our parts, you know, mm-hmm. different parts of us that might be still isolated from the love of God in an encounter with him. So I love that you chose this. It really is beautiful. And I remember many years ago, first hearing about this, and that's really the most quoted part of it. Cause she's like you said, Heather, she's speaking to her religious sisters, but she's also speaking to the priest and the brothers, mm-hmm. like the whole MC family. And, and it, it just makes you wonder, like you, you both are, you know, biological mothers, like when mom has to say something, like, why is mom saying what she's saying? <laughs> like mom's saying something for a reason. And later on in the letter, she's going to say, why is mother telling you this? And you just think of what, what did mother Teresa notice in her own community in these children of hers that would give her that indication. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate, she says, after she said that, you know, what you quoted Heather, she said, we may spend time in chapel, 
which, you know, you might be saying, well, yeah, I'm fulfilling the law or yeah, I'm doing my adoration mm-hmm. or whatever. We, we may spend time in chapel, but have you seen with the eyes of your soul, how Jesus looks at you with love? And that particular intimacy of what is it for each one of us, myself included, what is it like to let Jesus gaze upon us? Like, what does his gaze upon me look like? And what does his gaze upon me look like in the places where I'm happy to receive his gaze, like you're saying, Heather? And then what are the places where it does it look like for Jesus to, for me to receive the gaze of Jesus in the places that I don't want him to see mm-hmm. or the places that I'm embarrassed about? Or I was just praying about that this morning. There's something in my life that I've just been struggling with. And I, I found myself experiencing shame there. And I, I, I was after mass and I'm like, Lord, I feel shame about this. And I just felt the gentle reminder of Jesus of he's not ashamed of me there. Like I might be, cause it's like, oh, I should be beyond this or I shouldn't be struggling with this. But it's like, Jesus is like, I don't, I don't experience shame there for you. Like I don't, I'm not embarrassed of you. And I, so I think that's, there's the parts, right? All the different places of that's the real intimacy. Not like, oh, I just got my prayers in like you know, where we become women of prayer versus just women who say their prayers. Yeah. I find too, that there's places when you talk about like, have you allowed him to look at you mm-hmm. with love? And I think there's easy places, as you said, and I'm finding right now there's places that I'm not even looking at. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. how am I letting him look at me there? Like I'm faced mm-hmm. with that right now. There's places that I keep not wanting to look at because it's so painful, you know, yeah. and I've devise these plans, these strategies to avoid those things because they feel too hard. Like I'll be crushed by the weight of it. I'll be crushed by the sorrow and the grief of it. And so I'm not even looking at it. And as I'm being invited in my own like counseling journey to look at some of those things, then this begs the question, like, as I look at them, will I allow Jesus to look at me there and love me there in that place? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, that's really hard because I don't even want to go there myself. You know, I have barriers all around that. So that that's a specific place that I feel the Lord inviting me to let him look there with me and to stay there because I will pop in there and pop out as fast as possible. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. one thing my counselor recently said to me, she said, I want you to start setting aside time each day to just be sad mm-hmm. and grieve. And I was like, oh, I don't want to do that. Like, I don't want to <laughs> have other things for to that. do, girl. I was like, who has time for sitting around grieving? You know, and <laughs> and in my mind, that's my excuse mm-hmm. often yeah. is like, listen, we have other things to do. We can't keep looking at our pain. And there's a part of that that's really true. Yes. But that can also become a barrier to healing because at some point you do have to come to grips with the reality of our life, you know, the circumstances of our life and allow ourselves to grieve with Jesus, not just look at it and wallow in it and be consumed Mm -hmm. by the darkness, but actually allow the healing love of God to come there. And that's what I think is happening in the gaze when we allow that to occur. What were you going to say, Michelle? I I so agree with you, Heather. Just what does it look like when he's looking at you with the eyes of love? And I was really praying because I was having anxiety about the situation. And it's really funny because I'm not one that has like struggled with anxiety until like the last six months to a year. I'm like, where did this come from? And I was praying about it and I just, the scripture, you know, cast all your anxieties upon the Lord cast. And so I was really praying about that. And in my prayer time, I was just, you know, imagining the Lord, like, give them to me, Michelle. And I mean, I just wanted to hold all those things like, no, Mm. you know, and this makes me like even tear up. Like, and I realized I don't trust you to take care of them. You know, like I don't trust that you, you know, and so, and it led to this just deeper thing. Like, where do I doubt his goodness and his faithfulness and his trustworthiness? And it hit on a nerve 
so deep that I didn't even like Heather, like you don't even realize it's there. And if you do realize it's there, mm-hmm. you really don't want to stay there in that. No. And I, it was just like this huge revelation for me. He's like, you don't trust me here. And just really picturing the Lord look at me in that. And his eyes were not of condemnation. They were of invitation, like, let go. Like, I've got this, you know, almost like a little kid, you know, when they're holding it and you're like, just, just give it to me. He's like, just open your hands, let go. And um, realizing my lack of trust. But just I think when we can even in our imagination pray that way and just, all right, what do, what is the gaze of the Father or what does the gaze of Jesus look like on us? Yeah. His eyes are always so kind. Like they're so kind. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes, like, I don't want to lift my gaze to meet his gaze because yeah. it's so intimate. Like I remember when I, like a personal retreat, when I realized, oh, I have intimacy issues. Like everyone around me probably like, um, duh, <laughs> you know, but I was like, it was like an epiphany for me. And is it, what is it that is in me that I don't want him to see? And what is it in me that mm-hmm. I don't want to see him too? Mm-hmm. Because it was an unveiling that I wasn't prepared for. But when I realized like his kindness is overwhelming and he always reveals to redeem, he doesn't reveal to condemn. And I think that's one of the things that I keep on learning over and over and over again. Oh, that's a good word right there. He reveals to redeem, not reveals to condemn. Because the enemy, the enemy exposes to condemn. It's not even an unveiling, like revelation. The book of revelation means unveiling. Mm -hmm. And like how God unveils and he reveals, he doesn't expose or like tear apart. And I think that's what it feels like sometimes, you know, that's what it feels like. It's like, I'm going to be exposed here. I'm going to be torn down here. And and what you're both beautifully saying is that's not, that's not how the Lord, that's not how he reveals it. And Mother Teresa goes on to say in that, and just to gently open like even deeper places of what we're talking about. She says, do you really know the living Jesus, not from books, but from being with him in your heart? Have you heard the loving words he speaks to you? And then she invites us to ask for the grace. Like we don't have to conjure that up. She says, ask for the grace. He is longing to give it. Never give up this daily intimate contact with Jesus as the real living person, not just the idea. And that reality of Jesus being a real living person, not just an idea or a ideological thought or a metaphor that Christ is a real person who's really alive. And if he's really alive, that means we can really be in intimacy with him. And there's like every other relationship in our life, it's always growing. It's always being healed. It's always being pruned. It's always being, and there's a really beautiful quote, uh, Pope Benedict writes in one of his letters about Christian meditation. He said, prayer is the meeting of two free wills, Mm -hmm. the free will of God and our free will. And that's love of love coming to encounter us in freedom and invitation, not in condemnation or compulsion or guilt trips, but invitation to, to deep and authentic living and the authentic love with Christ. And that's, that's really, that's what we all seek. That's heaven. Yeah. I was talking with a a young mom the other day we we got together and she was just expressing like she's, she's working part-time. She has little kids. She's in a very busy stage of life. And she was like, I just don't know how to find time to pray, you know, and I'm feeling Mm. like so much guilt and shame about this. And, and I was like, okay, first of all, that's the enemy. If you're feeling shame like that, like there's an appropriate, like questioning, like, oh, okay. Because it's important to us, you know, but 
I said, you shouldn't feel shame about that. And I said, let's just talk about what your expectations are, you know? So obviously it comes down to time, Mm -hmm. like time. I I should be spending more time. And I said, what if we just, it was like the Holy Spirit just whispered in my ear. I was like, what if we reframe this to communion over quantity? Mm -hmm. That what if you could deeply commune with God for five or 10 minutes in your day, which would be in my, in my opinion, my humble opinion, that would be more valuable than spending an hour just like going through devotions or praying rosary. Not that those are, those are so powerful, powerful weapons, but if you don't have the time for it, could five or 10 minutes of deep communion with God not be more valuable? And then how can we get there? How can we access the heart of God quickly? I mean, obviously he's always there just waiting for us to Mm -hmm. turn to him. He is always accessible. That's one of the names of God I love so much, Emmanuel, because he's he's with us. Mm -hmm. He's right here with us. And that just brought so much relief to her in the conversation. And as I was saying it, it was bringing relief to me too. I was like, yes, this is this is really at the heart of it. Like if you have the time, spend the time. We should be mm-hmm. spending as much time as we can. And I think that can happen in a variety of ways as we have like a conversational relationship with God throughout our day. But if you don't, I just feel like that's the that's something that Mother Teresa is saying here, not in the practical sense, but but in the heart of it. Every day, mm-hmm. could you just come into a deep communion with God? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How special is that? I'm always when I actually pause enough to think, the Lord of the entire universe, who holds everything in His hands, is just waiting for me to spend time mm-hmm. with Him in communion with Him. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. that's crazy. But think about it as like a married person, Heather. Like, I mean, we don't get like in the season of life we're in. Even you don't get. 30 minutes an hour with your husband every single day, like where you get this good quality, like intense time. Sometimes you do, like sometimes you get a date night, sometimes you do, but like other times, like you're lucky if you get 20 or 30 minutes, good quality time with your spouse. And I know for Chris and I, we try to make time every day and be intentional about that, but it's a good 10, 15 minutes time. And that we even call it our communion time. Like, okay, we need communion time. Like it's a good 10 or 15 minutes where we know, like usually he's holding me and we're talking or just sharing or like those kind of things, you know, or we're just resting like where he's holding me. Like, but it's not this extravagant three hour, you know, experience. It's the daily ordinary. It's the, you know, coming Mm -hmm. up and putting your, you know, head on his shoulder. It's squeezing a hand. It's, and that's the same with Jesus. Mm -hmm. It's Jesus, I trust in you. When you're dealing with a situation with a child, it's while you're folding laundry, Jesus clothe these children that you, and this family that you've asked me to care for, clothe them with your righteousness. Also, it's the little everyday Mm -hmm. moments, like moments of intimacy that add up, I think with Jesus. Now I'm not negating the holy Mm -hmm. hours and all of that. Those are big. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And mother Teresa in her other writings wrote, you know, talking about what a demanding spouse Jesus is. (laughs) <laughs> you know, he wants a lot of attention, but he's just such a kind spouse too. And that's what he wants to, and I think that's what our kids want to see also. Like, I mean, I realize mm-hmm. that there's a beautiful time and place to have like your intimate prayer life, you know, a way, like it says in scripture, go into a hidden place. But there's also times where you're like, it's good for you just to hear them talk to Jesus with you. Like I was taking one of my mm-hmm. kids to the airport yesterday and I was, we were at the stoplight. I'm like, oh, okay, let's pray. All right, Jesus. And then we just, you know, and I was realizing that has to, you know, and I pray with my other child when I drive her to school every morning, like every morning 
we just pray. And it's the simple things Mm -hmm. that I think really add up to the intimacy with Jesus, the ordinary. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think that when we have that intimate encounter, if it's five or 10 minutes, what I have found is that I crave it more. Yes. You know, it's like once you experience deep communion, you're like, I want more, then other things start to lose their flavor. Mm -hmm. Other Mm -hmm. things just aren't as appealing as they once were. And so time that I might not even be aware of that I actually have that I'm spending on other things are now I'm like, maybe I could just slip into my prayer room for just 10 minutes, or maybe I can just like talk to the Lord while I'm doing this, you know, and it's because he's so captivating. Mm -hmm. Like communion with him is not boring. It's not empty. It's not just I'm putting in my time. Like he's a real person who is, yeah, he's so captivating. And Mother Teresa even sketches that out everything we're talking about here. She is, I mean, we don't ever plan our podcast. They just unfold as they unfold. And and she says, not only she talks about how being, she says, be careful of all that can block mm-hmm. that personal contact with the Jesus, with Jesus. The devil may try to use hurts of life, sometimes our own mistakes, to make you feel like it is impossible that Jesus really loves you. And I, she's saying this to her community. I just want to invite everybody to consider that again. These are not just random people. These are people that have given their life to Christ, and they've given everything. And still, she's like, just be careful of that. She's like, there's a danger for all of us in that. And she said, so and so and so said, because it is completely opposite of what Jesus is really wanting and what he's waiting to tell you, not only that he loves you, but even more, he longs for you. He misses you when you don't come close. He thirsts for you. He loves you always, even when you don't feel worthy. And when not accepted by others, even by yourself sometimes, he is the one who always accepts you. Mm-hmm. I Oh gosh, I, I, I'm so grateful that she writes these things. And I you know, she always has, to, she also has to experience them in her own heart of the writings that came out after her, um, after she passed away of her 50 years of spiritual darkness of not experiencing consolation. And here she is going all over the world, caring for people, caring for people in her community and not even experiencing that consolation, knowing that Christ is near, but not experiencing that consolation and her willingness to give herself and just to pour herself out. And so we're going to, we'll stop in the next page in the middle of the page when she talks about how, you know, in your mind that Jesus loves you, but in this letter, mother wants to touch your heart instead. So maybe as we kind of close here for this part one, Heather, what would you say is maybe something uh, we can offer from our hearts? Like she said, we, we, all of us, maybe even as we're listening, many of us know these things. We're like, yeah, I've heard that before. I've read this letter before, but what do you think might be something from the Holy Spirit this week where the Holy Spirit wants to touch our hearts? Is there anything for both you and Michelle that you want to offer to our listeners? I mean, for me, the thing that I keep noticing is the places I don't trust him are the places I can't receive from him. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And those places are sometimes big, you know? So that's like one place to start. Like, is there a place where I just feel like I don't trust God? Because that will inevitably put a barrier up to this intimacy that she's talking about. And then we can stay in these safe places of just, you know, checking boxes and convincing ourselves that that equals relationship. Or because we talk about Jesus, that we're in relationship with Jesus. I think trust is key. And Mm -hmm. if we don't know how to do it, that's a great place to start. To just say, Jesus, I don't know if I trust you. Mm -hmm. Can you meet me here? Can Can you allow the gaze of God to land there? in a place where you just feel hurt or you've been disappointed or you don't trust mm-hmm. and just ask the loving gaze of God to come right there. 
Yeah, that's what comes to mind anyway right now. Michelle, how about you? When she says not only that he loves you, but even more, he longs for you. He misses you when you don't come close. He thirsts for you. He loves you always, even when you don't feel worthy. I think a fun thing to do or like a kinesthetic practical thing to do was get a sticky note and put it on your mirror, put it over your kitchen sink, put it in your car, wherever, and say, whatever, Jesus longs for me. Jesus thirsts for me. Jesus loves me. Like it's a daily reminder, a tangible reminder. Like I think Jesus longs for me. Like if I put that on the sticky note, like there's something about that that stops me to see. It's just that little tangible reminder that he's there. He is present. He is Emmanuel. He is with us. And, you know, to lift my gaze up. So wherever the Holy Spirit inspires you, put a little sticky note somewhere. You know, a little love letter from mm-hmm. Jesus. It's good. You know, mm-hmm. and what about you, sister? I, I This is beautiful. I was just particularly struck when she says, he He loves you always, even when you don't feel mm. worthy, when not accepted by others, even by, even by yourself sometimes. He is the one who always accepts you. And I was reading a very interesting book uh, recently written in the 1980s about the the inner life or the secret life of the unborn child. And it's a fa- and at that time it was groundbreaking and it was highly almost like controversial because the new kind of scientific findings of what children experience in the womb was so new that people weren't really sure if that's true. But now it's, it's common knowledge. But I was just thinking of the parts of us he was saying that, you know, even all of us, our foundation is from the womb and even from the moment of conception. And he said, all of us will spend the rest of our life in some way or another through a facet, looking at how we were born, like how, whatever our birth story is, or, and I just think there's so many parts of us, even from childhood that we don't want to accept. There's, you know, you go through your family album, if you have still picture of yourself and there's parts you're like, Ooh, and then you like gloss over like the middle school years, like, Oh, not good ears, not good ears. You're just kind of like, but I'm just wondering if, if you have any pictures accessible to yourself this week, maybe of finding a picture of yourself, whether you're a man or woman as a little boy or little girl, and maybe, maybe putting that picture someplace where you can see it and just reminding yourself that, that Jesus comes for her or for him too. And that's, mm. that's not lost mm-hmm. on him. And then he, we find ourselves oftentimes embarrassed by our powerlessness or our loudness or our shyness and, or the traumas that we've sustained. And Jesus comes to bring us in community. So that might be something that may be interesting too, to practice. So that's so good. Amen. So that's so good. My aunt and uncle just brought a video. It was 1994 Christmas. What? No way. So I was 18. Oh, wow. And I was in that video. And I noticed I was like talking and making jokes while the video was playing. I just like did not want to look at myself then, you know, which I've really sat with, like with the Lord after that. Like, so I love Mm. what you're saying, because I think there's something really important about looking back at ourselves and remembering. So we'll continue friends next week. We'll continue part two of the letter. So the middle of page two to the end, we will continue that. So like Heather said, it's only three pages long. It's very simple and it's just a lot of great food for thought. So, Michelle, would you like to share your one thing with our listeners? Yes. My one thing is actually, like we said at the beginning of the episode, I had the privilege of going to Wisconsin last week, and it was beautiful. I got to see Sister and see the new apostolate she's assigned to, but I got to go to the Shrine of Our Lady of Champion, which is the only approved Marian apparition in the United States. crazy. Isn't it? Like I never even knew it existed until last year, and then to be able to go, and it was so beautiful and peaceful. And I just love the stories and the people there that work at the shrine are just so lovely. And I was leading a retreat for La Goddess, the women's enclave. And can I just tell you how much I love these women? Like they are my one thing, just 
Kara and the whole team at Legatus was amazing. But these women on the retreat, it was mm-hmm. just beautiful. And I think I received so much more than I poured out with that gift. But Our Lady of Champion, like that is just yeah, it was just a beautiful place. And if you haven't had the opportunity and you can go do a pilgrimage to that place, it is just so mm-hmm. lovely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. Miss Heather, what about you, my dear? Uh, so mine is a playlist that I created. It's kind of like a spiritual warfare, get your mind right. Come uh, on, girl, look at playlist you. called mm-hmm. Battle Cry. Woo! And I'll put it in the show notes. One of my favorite songs on there is called Sound Mind. You want to see Heather like have a throwdown? That's the song okay, you these days. Like that song when it first came out, I know, though. I know. I sent it I to you, and it you're took, like, "Okay, I, I like this version, but I didn't like the other version." Oh. I know. I know. You've I had like a conversion, it now. Heather. I have because there's something different when you <laughs> We're hear all being something. Converted people. Yeah, yes. and when you say something out loud. Yes. And so I just want to encourage our listeners. These are some songs that if you are finding yourself in a battle, whether it be a war in your mind or there is something happening within your family or your circumstances. You need to sing these songs out loud. Mm-hmm. So that's a good there one. You go. There you go. That's a good one. Sister. My one thing. Okay. So it's one thing, but it's got a couple parts too. I love the Magnificat. So the monthly um, subscription service where you can read the daily readings and there's meditations <laughs> and things like that. I often Slightly lose obsessed it. with it. I, I, I do. I, I do. And I, you know, I met, you know, we just love the Magnificat. So they have reflections every day, the meditations of the day. And they had one by Pope Benedict on hope for All Saints Day. So this is going to air in November of 2023. So if you're listening, if you have your November Magnificat, on page 29 is the Pope's uh, reflection on hope. And he just talks about, I'm just gonna, I can't post it because of copyright, so I'll give you the book where it comes from. But so he talks about how, an, he says, an old man who dragged himself around like a forgotten soul once said, no one is expecting me. But Pope Benedict says, but is this true? Is there really no one who expects us? Beneath the surface of today's feast of all saints, a powerful cry is perceptible. You are expected definitively and forever with the guarantee that your expectations will be fulfilled after perhaps having carried some burdens for a long time and having asked yourself whether it has any meaning. This cry of hope and encouragement from the finish line is to those who are still on the journey. And it's just such a beautiful reflection, but the book is from a compilation of his homilies and the book is called On Love. Uh, published by Ignatius Press. So I put the link in there for you. So you can never go right wrong with the writings of Pope Benedict. But yeah, I wish I could post this one, but I couldn't violate the copyright of it. But if you could, you could find it in the book on love, which is from Ignatius Press. So okay, this is a funny story about God the Magnificat. For the of hope. Yes. A little while ago, like last year, your sister and I, we were all traveling somewhere and she thought she left her Magnificat somewhere, like <laughs> in the chapel or whatever. And she was like distraught. And I was That was like five at, years ago. Yes, yes, I know. And I was yeah, teasing you. mocked you. me ceasingly. Yes, I was that's okay. you. I lost my Magnificat in the month of October for the last five days. And you would have thought I missed a limb. Like my kids are like, oh my gosh. I was like, I couldn't find it. I still haven't been able to find it. And I was like, oh my goodness. And I was like, I totally, this is payback for mocking sister five years ago. <laughs> like I was like, where's my Magnificat? Yeah, Yeah, it's great. I know people use Word Among Us. We're giving a big fat free endorsement to Magnificat, but I just really love it. So anything that will help you aid your daily prayer. Those are such great little booklets. You can subscribe for a year, give it as a gift. Christmas is coming. Just Christmas is coming. Yeah. Okay. All right, friends, we will continue um, and finish with part two next week of our reflection on Mother Teresa. So thank you so much for joining us. And until next week, we will be abiding together. God bless you. See you then. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If you liked it, would you please share it with a friend and leave us a review? 
We encourage you to head over to our website, abidingtogetherpodcast.com, where you can find all the show notes, links to our one things, group discussion questions for each episode, and beautiful coffee mugs, t-shirts, journals, and prints in our shop. There you can also subscribe to receive our weekly email with links to each new episode and all of the content. We'd love to connect on social media and invite you to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter so you can catch inspiring reflections every day. You're also welcome to join our private Facebook group and dive deeper into discussions with our fellow listeners. If the podcast has blessed you, would you prayerfully consider financially supporting us? The Abiding Together podcast is only available due to the generous support of our listeners. There are significant costs associated with creating this content, such as tech support, design, website, equipment, and hired staff that we need to be able to continue offering great content. Abiding Together is a nonprofit 501c3, and all donations are tax deductible. You can make donations of any amount through the Patreon website. Or you can send us a check directly if that's easier for you. If you donate $15 or more per month on our Patreon page, you become a tribe member and you will receive bonus content every month, such as recipes, music playlists, downloadable prints, and more. You can find all the information at patreon.com slash abidingtogetherpodcast. Thank you so much and God bless you.